Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. A Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and I'm joined this Thursday afternoon by JP Mason. JP uh, is one of my favourite hours of the week. I'm going to just put it out there. We have got loads to talk about. Got a wee bit to catch up on, JP, and we will be doing all of that. Um, couple of games left in the World Cup. I see that you've got your Argentina top up. We'll have a wee chat about how that's affected Celtic as well. Domestic football is back on Saturday. JP Mason, first and foremost, have you got a ticket for the game? Yeah, well, this is one of those days where uh, music wins. Music and work win over football because on Saturday I'm working a show at the Queen's Hall in Edinburgh with one of my favourite singers ever, really. And I, I, I'm 
genuinely can't believe I'm actually doing a show with them. As soon as it got announced, I emailed my boss and said, I want to work that show, and it's uh, Richard Hawley. Oh, brilliant. One, one of the best, one of the best. Um, so then when I saw the fixtures and it was like we were away to Aberdeen, and judging by the things, judging by the way things are right now, I don't think I'd have got a ticket anyway because they're like hen's teeth. Um, they're not available. My mate Michael, who goes home and away every week, he's not got one. And he's been texting me going, if you hear of anything, let me know. So I think that's testament to the the allocation issues. And if, if we rock up at Pataudry on Saturday and they've got big patches of empty seats, I don't care what their fans or what any other fans say. That's mental. It's absolutely crazy that you're denying your your own club money. <laughs> like, I mean, how many tickets have Aberdeen given us on Saturday? Like a thousand or something like that. See, we've had this conversation, and you've had it with Alan Burrows on Twitter as well, yeah. JP. And um, I am still at a loss. I really am. Now, incidentally, there's going to be three shows this charity weekend where. I'm interviewing, or I'm speaking to, I'm not interviewing, I'm having a discussion with fans of other football teams, JP, right? Um, I'm going to be speaking to a couple of guys who are Aberdeen fans, a couple of Jambos, a couple of Hibbies, three different shows. And and the no, reason no, I find no, that... No one else, no? Just, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that could get a bit spicy. It could, it definitely could. But what I like to try and get from uh, fans of other clubs, and we sometimes get it in the uh, comment section from people who are sensible enough to come in and make decent, balanced comments, JP, is just what other people actually think of us, our opinions, our football club, our fan base. Because we do talk about officials a lot. We do talk about uh, ticket allocations a hell of a lot. We talk about leaving the Scottish game. And I do often wonder what other fans of other teams think of that, think of us. Mm. So we're going to get a bit of that. It is going to probably get a bit tasty at times. But you've had the discussion with Motherwell's CEO, who I always find, certainly on the face it, very reasonable. Mm. And I, I just, I still don't understand it. I've been hearing a lot about um, the Aberdeen uh, bosses talking about new stadiums, what it's going to bring to the community. Absolutely brilliant. But don't ring fence it, mate. You know, no. don't don't ring fence it just to Aberdeen fans. You can make money for your community by allowing opposition fans into the stadium. Yeah. Surely that is it's a no brainer. I've not I heard an argument that that can defend it for me. I don't know if it's the the the, the setup of Petodre because it is quite an awkward setup, isn't it? The, the way that the stands are and they've got they, they created that new shed thing. The, the is it the red shed where they've got like a, a flat, they like, call it the red shed. I think it's like the place there you can go if you've bought a ticket and you can just sit anywhere, you know, right. so you can sit with your mates, basically, so it's not, like, allocated seats like in the rest of the, the, the stand. Um, but I, I just, honestly, I mean, obviously, I'll hopefully get to watch the game on Saturday, but I'll, I'll be really, really disappointed if there's big patches of red seats um, when they could have been filled. I'm not, obviously, we're not going to get, I wouldn't expect us to get a whole stand or anything elaborate like that, but how it's gone from what it was to what it is now seems completely absurd. <laughs> You've got people that like go week in, week out, and now those people are being denied tickets. I, 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 if I got offered the ticket for Saturday and I wasn't going to Richard Holly, I would give my ticket to Michael before mm-hmm. I would take it because he goes. He was in Bodo Glimt. He was. He's been St Petersburg. He's been everywhere. It goes. As, as I've said before, if Celtic were playing in the moon, he would be looking for a ticket. So I just think it's... Is that, it's, who, is that who you were with um, in Madrid? 
Yes, yeah. yeah but, but, for 25 years, he took me to my first away game, introduced me to a different side of Celtic, the the best side of Celtic, away, away days in Europe and all of that, you know, away days in general is just are, are brilliant, you know, the, the, a great opportunity to spend some time with your friends, travelling and talking and, you, you know, if it's a three or four hour bus journey, you get, you get, it's a, it's an allocated time that you get to spend with that person for, you know, when you, when you don't see them that often and especially after the last couple of years, um, not seeing them hardly at all. So, exactly. I mean, it takes me on. Uh, I'm going to, there's a wee bit of self disclosure here, JP. Before joining you today, I was at the Bairns Nativity play and <laughs> um, the teacher who presented it was going on about the fact that it's the first time they've been able to do it since 2019. It really drills that home. Um, but I, I then think back to, you're talking about away days, the way my old man used to do it with cousins and uncles and etc. And it was really um, a release of that weekend's work, the drudgery of working down the pit, getting with your mates, jumping in any form of transport and getting to that game, wherever it was. And and I know it's different because virtually every game was Saturday at three o'clock back then. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a camaraderie, JP, there was a whole experience. There was You could feel it, it was palpable in the air on a Saturday afternoon in the house waiting on the old boy coming home from that. So when you talk about away days and the experience and the fact that you know, there are most clubs, some clubs have, have basically just embraced it and said, you know, we'll give you three stands. Um, and I, I guess one of the arguments that I've heard is that it's all about home advantage. I don't think it gives you uh, your advantage away if you give the... I mean, we've been beaten at Livingston a number of times and we've had three stands. I honestly don't think it, it gives your advan- your home advantage to the opposition. I, it would G me up as a player an opposition player perhaps more if I knew I was going to be playing in front of a full house rather than a half empty stand here a half empty stand there and I'm not being disrespectful to clubs that don't have a big support it's, it, it's, that's the reality of the situation but when you've got an opportunity and obviously the Livingston thing's extreme giving you three stands is, is a bit wild to have three stands full of away fans at a, a ground in West Lothian I know that but there's got to be Instead of these cuts, like Hearts giving us half a stand at Tynecastle and mm-hmm. uh, Aberdeen give, giving us this paltry amount of, of tickets when they're not selling out their own home. Like I've said before, if you're selling out your home allocation and we're just getting that little pocket, fine. I don't yep. have an issue with that. But it's these constant sort of cuts whilst the money money is surely hemorrhaging from their club as mm-hmm. a result. <laughs> You're cutting your nose off to spite your face. I've not yeah. seen the benefits. Shows the benefits, JP, or mm. a club who is selling the tickets, and I'll understand. Um, mm. So, yeah, there'll be plenty of Celtic fans missing the game. We'll be covering it on the charity weekend. I'll be touching on that because this year we're doing it a wee bit differently, JP. Um, we do have the 24 hours of coverage over the weekend where we'll be pushing a, a certain specific link, which is a link to download a single that has been recorded by The Wakes and Carly Connor. Now, you've been in this studio with Paul Sheridan from The Wakes. He's well known to many of the people who tune in to the show. He's an absolute gem of a guy. I think he's a great chanter. He's a great frontman. And he looks brilliant in this video as well. We do have a wee trailer to play you. We'll be showing you the artwork. If you want to get in there early, the pre-save... I'm learning all the lingo, JP, now that uh, we're creating singles and putting up links. It's under the video. Um, And as Kaiser has already come in and said, smashed the like button early. 
um, and also share if you can on the social media so that we can spread the word um, I think over the weekend there's certain things people will be interested in uh, we'll be giving a timetable out nearer the time um, obviously we'll be covering both games the World Cup final will be getting covered on Sunday and people will drop in and drop out and that's fine but whilst you're in we'll be pushing the single the premiere of the video is tomorrow night JP you've seen it I think you have seen it you have seen it um, and I'm really looking forward to sharing it because it is it's all about the, the club's traditions the heritage the history it really is isn't it it gets right in about the fabric of the club and at this time of the year when you're waking up in the morning and your car's that freezing you can't even open the, the fuel tank you can't even put on the, the scooters I always think back to people who are homeless, people who have got nothing this Christmas, and hopefully we can make a big impact. We've done it before, JP. We're sitting at just over 85 grand. Whatever we bring in goes right to the charity. We we cover everything else. Um, I mean, obviously, we've had to record this single, record a video, etc., but we'll fit all of that bill as long as we can make some money for St Mary's as well. So we'll be playing that a wee bit later on. There's loads of transfer, gossip, speculation, rumours, JP, and we've got to talk about it. We must talk about it. I know people will be getting a wee bit tired of it. Um, because a lot of the uh, gossip that's coming out, the speculation is coming from decent sources. Um, mm. So we'll talk about a couple of players who might be leaving the club and um, a couple who have been linked with Celtic. And of course, the first one would be Juranovic. Um, we're going to be talking about the World Cup now, you know, at some point during the show. But how impressed have you been? with a JJ during the, the World Cup tournament? Uh, well, I can't confess that I've seen all his, all his performances because I've not been able to see all the games, mainly because of work. Um, don't always have the luxury of being able to sit and watch a game while I'm doing my job. But um, I have seen enough of him to know that he's impressed and definitely, I think, against uh, against Brazil, right? They beat yeah. Brazil. Yeah. Mm. Against Brazil, there was people saying that he was head and shoulders the, the man of the match, certainly in the, the first half performance anyway. So if you're getting into territory like that where you're talking about uh, a Celtic right-back playing in the World Cup <laughs> against Brazil, that's that's a, that's a pretty good uh, benchmark to, to make for yourself. What I did start to wonder... <clears throat> You know, has he been keeping these performances for the World Cup? I, I don't, I don't know how players, football players, could do that. I don't know how you could be like, oh, I'll just, I'll play it sixty percent of my capacity in these games, and then I'll, you know, get the gloves off, and it'll be ninety to hundred for, for my national team and at the World Cup. But there, there has to be a certain element of, if you're a good player and you know that you've got the ability to do certain things in games, i.e. come inside, go outside, make runs. You're, you're, when you're up against an opponent like that and on that stage, you're going to have the confidence to probably push yourself a bit more. I don't mm. I, I don't know if footballers would answer this question better than me, but I think maybe it's been a case of he's, he's realised he's got a platform to showcase about his abilities and he's, he's gone for it and... I mean, if he gets a move out of this, and it looks like he probably will, and the 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 sort of money on on offer before the World Cup, I I still maintain that I think a deal's been done already. I I think I think there's a fee being agreed and there's a deal being done, and it's just a matter of time before it's announced. It seems that way in the way of Celtic these days. It seems 
if we're getting deals done efficiently ahead of January's transfer window, why wouldn't it be the other way around? And we control the narrative of when it's announced. So yeah, yeah, it's, definitely. Water tight until such time as Celtic decide that they want to they want to put it out there. It's going to be quite unusual because since Sancho Postecoglou came in, um, no no big asset, if you like, that he brought to the club has been sold on. I know that in uh, season one, we lost Edward uh, Christie and Ayer, who had already been at the club. Ayer never played under Ange. He was at the club when Ange came in. and So we have sold big assets under Ange Postecoglou. But Juranovic, if he was to leave, would be the first that he's brought in. Um, developed, increased in, in value and obviously sold on. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how we do that business, JP, and why not do it early and efficiently because that's the way we've been doing it with the players coming in. The biggest, um, for me, the biggest sign is the fact that we've got Alistair Johnson in now. We've got two mm. uh, beyond Juranovic, two, you know, for me, excellent first first picks uh, right back. I'm going to be talking a wee bit about um, where this leaves Ralston as well at some point during the show. Um, the other one that was maybe a wee bit more surprising simply because of the fact that I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think we've seen enough to suggest that if he was to lead the line for 25 games, he would get us goals. He would uh, get us big, big goals. It's uh, Yakimakis. And the last time I checked his stats, and we've not played since then, he has scored or created a goal every something like every 88 minutes in a Celtic jersey. Um, so when he plays, he will create something. He will create or, or score a goal. And Yakimakis has been a subject to some speculation. Um, although I'm not sure how uh, you know valid or how accurate the speculation is. We've got him on a long-term deal. I certainly would be in no hurry. I'd be in no rush. I don't think we're as well covered in that position as we are at right-back, JP, when it comes to Yakamakis. No, I mean, I'd, I'd, I, wouldn't like to, I wouldn't like to see him go at this point. I think, I think there has to be... I saw Tony Haggerty put up something about there's still time for him to pay in a deal. You know that you know paying a new deal, but should we really be not we we should we really be offering extended deals or increased deals to guys at his age if we're going down this route of you know, developing players at a certain age twenty two twenty three twenty four and then mm. looking to sell them at that sort of twenty four twenty five age when they've probably got their maximum resale potential or or we will get the most money for them at that point. Whether or not we get more money for them further down the line with selling clauses and all that is a different thing. I think that really probably only comes into play if they're, they're maybe like 19, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. I think how much are you really going to get for a player that goes at 24, 25, signs a three-year deal with somebody, plays for two seasons, and then they're suddenly they're 27? How Are they going to are they going to go for huge money then? Who knows? I don't I don't know, the market's changed so much since... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Since, I guess, like the 2000s, when it was... I don't, I don't think it's the same as it was anyway. I think it's all it's massively different. Players' values are wildly increased to what they were, and that's because of the way that football's gone in terms of ownership in England and countries running owning football clubs and things like that. It's mm-hmm. just there's average players go for crazy money down south, so it's quite hard to gauge. But with Jack and Marcus, I, I, I wouldn't... I don't. I don't. We don't know what's going on. If he's if he's angling for more money or whatever, or if he's been promised more money, the old you know you'll get this if you do well in the yeah. in, in the in the, in the, the boardroom. <clears throat> I don't really subscribe to that being a, a thing. I, we said it before a couple of weeks ago. If it's done, it should be in writing. <laughs> any any sort of professional contractual agreement should be in writing. It shouldn't be a kind of handshake thing. So. I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to see him go in January. I think it'd be difficult to get another striker to come in and hit the ground running. If Kyogo gets injured, who's playing up front? I know. If he leaves and you want somebody to come in and just immediately just be the guy that we rely upon to lead the line in crucial high-pressure games because there will be a lot of them, I would imagine. I, I would hope there wouldn't be, but we don't know how it's going to go. We don't know. We've got the nine-point lead just now. And that's great. That could increase or it could decrease. Who knows? You know, I have mentioned previously the scenario we found ourselves in with Big Fan Hoydonk uh, back in the 90s, different uh, era entirely, similar age actually uh, to what Yakimakis is at the moment. But uh, with all that talk about the, the differences we like this, this handshake, this gentleman's agreement that... Uh, you know, Van Hooydonk used to go on about there was an agreement and Decanio went on about it, remember, as well. And we had gone back on our word. Um, I went and, and believe it or not, I, I reread the Michael Kelly book. Don't know if you've ever had that uh, pleasure, JP. Something to Paradise, is it? Uh, uh, Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost. That's Paradise it. Lost. And it is interesting because obviously I love the Celtic history. I always want to find out everything that, that's gone on. It never is the case. But reading people's tales, you know that sometimes it's embellished. But there's a lot of interesting things in the Michael Kelly book that um, are a wee bit more relevant to today's uh, football when you fast forward 30 years. So there's a few things that he spoke about. Uh, firstly, he spoke about Peter Lowell coming to the club under Terry Cassidy and there's like a half page on Peter Lowell that obviously if you read it back in 1994 it wouldn't have really meant much to you but you read it now and you think wow Peter Lowell young guy he went in and he sorted out um, a lot of different things that uh, should have probably been implemented 20 years earlier in terms of financial structure at Celtic Park and he spoke about that Um, he also spoke about (laughs) the fact that Michael Kelly had a PR company and he was uh, his company was responsible for the Glasgow Smiles Better you know the big it looked like a Mr Man it was the big campaign I was talking about that to somebody the other day a a, a wee guy uh, um, who is from? He was, a, he was a singer who was playing at St. Luke's as a support, and uh, we were talking about Glasgow Edinburgh. And I said, "No, oh, Glasgow's miles better." And I, I put the wee bracket in the S, 
And then I sent him the picture and he went, mate, that's brilliant. He says, I, I, there's, there's, you can get badges of it still when like, we retro shops in the book. Oh, do you? Do you? Yeah, there's a company called We Broad Design, I think they're called. Right. And they do like, kind of like kitsch, Glasgow, you know, related things. And you can get those badges. And he's like, oh, I'm going to get them for my mates from Edinburgh that always slag off Glasgow. So Super. And I remember driving in to Glasgow and there was a huge, massive, big sign of that mm. on the right-hand side as you drove in. But because he had a PR company, he had an in-house uh, comedian that he used. So if they were trying to go for something a wee bit humorous, he would drag this guy in. And I forget his name. But uh, they had the new scoreboards installed at Celtic Park. You might remember early 90s, it was a big thing. They had these electronic scoreboards, JP, right? The one they like to have now. Orange, orange LED. Ah, exactly. Ah, you could almost see every bulb in it, right? And um, he, he spoke about, and he actually published in his book the different um, potentially humorous uh, signs that would come up. You know, if somebody had been sent off, it would come up with something that was meant to be funny. Um, a goal for well, cartoon things. I remember oh, that, that stuff. Ah, right, right. And one of them, one of them um, was something like, if we scored against Rangers, let's all laugh at the H-U-N-S, a word that we are no longer able to use. It's outlawed. Um, yeah, it's offensive. It's and Celtic's that. official, Celtic's <laughs> official scoreboard had this programmed in just in case we needed to push the button and bring it up. Um, so there you go, all this kind of stuff. But the reason... <laughs> Sorry, I always used to get excited about seeing my mate's dad's company who sponsored Celtic would come up uh, on the on the LED. It was JHE John Heaney Electrical. There you and go. I Mark from school. That's his dad's company. Mark's now and and took over the company. He's he's now the head of JHE, which is a really Still successful there. business. Incredible. And they've sponsored Celtic since the nineties. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, obviously, the Canvas Lang thing, and it shows you the plans and the sponsor boards, People's Ford and all this stuff, because it's just of it, of its time, JP. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's the thing. You're looking back at old pictures, your mate's company will be in the old 40s in the sponsorship board. It's incredible. Yeah. But what he was talking about, he was talking about the deals that came back to haunt them a wee bit. And we've mentioned one of them already. It was Paul Elliott. Uh, the other one was Frank McAvenny, second time round whereby Brian Dempsey was um, in the contract building in the um, structure of a house, a brand new house in one of his plots, and that house would go to the player. And when the player left within the contract period, the profit from the sale of the house would be the players, even though they've no, they've no bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it. And it created issues with Paul Elliott and, and Frank McAvenny as well. So, you know, these are the things, JP, that back in the day, you didn't get away with them, but it happened because there was agreements and it wasn't that clear. In the modern day, don't buy it. I absolutely don't buy it. So mm. someone either wants a move, uh, regardless, you know, it could be the player, it could be the agent, it could be both, or or maybe there's an issue that we're unaware of. But I'm pretty sure when Andrew does his pre-match press, there'll be a few questions asked about transfer speculation. But, but isn't it interesting that you're not getting any exclusive interviews with Giacomakis or Juranovic or anything like that? There's... There's absolute radio silence from the player. There's no, as far as I know, there's no cryptic Instagram posts or anything like that. That all that nonsense is not. For me as a fan, I, I don't welcome that. I, I, I can't stand when players kind of go rogue a bit and and go off the hymn sheet and just start causing bother. There doesn't seem to be any of that under Postecoglou. I don't think I've known of any of that. No. I mean, he's been here for 18 months or more and the, I can't recall there being any kind of dissidents in the in the ranks. And on that front, I think mm. he's 
which kind of shows you the measure of him as a manager. And I guess he's sort of drilled it in that that won't be accepted and we, we don't work like that. So, How many minutes did uh, Julian play under Ange? Not many. <laughs> Not many. I came on as a against Rave Rovers. Because he, he's the only guy that I think has been a bit naughty with the... Remember, we mentioned at the time the social media and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think he was... Shocky doesn't, doesn't play for the club anymore. This is it, exactly. Yeah, and he, and he didn't... Even when he was fit, this was one of his complaints. He's fit, he's ready to go. He gave a, an interview with French media saying that he's been he's fit to, to go. He's too quick to go online to post about what he's done that day rather than getting his head down and get on with hard work. He's too quick to... Like a big himself up or woe is me when things aren't going well. It's just like the, the, the whole aeroplane thing with the eyes and all that. That's that's a nonsense. Shouldn't be doing. People were telling me I needed to get over it, but I mean, you know, a few months later he's away. It's gone. Um, you spoke about singing on a hymn sheet so I think that the time is perfect for me to play this trailer, right? Um, as we have been talking about for a while, and it's you know, I make absolutely no apology for, for punting this on Axon because it's Axon that's done it. It's the Axon viewers and listeners who will be interested in what it is we're doing. We've basically um, been made aware of a tune that was written for the centenary season, JP, 1987-88. It was written by JJ Gilmer from The Silencers, Gary John Kane from The Proclaimers, and it was never released because the board, <laughs> and actually this was, would have been before Michael Kelly's time, the board decided to go with the Celtic rap instead, right? So the song was shelved. It's been in the archive. We got the demo. We got Paul and the Wakes uh, to re-record it, back in vocals by Carly Connor, and we've got it. We're releasing it. It's going to be part of our char- charity drive where all the money goes to St Mary's, the birthplace of our football club, who... You know, this time last year we were in dire straits and because of Celtic fans coming together, we were able to assist in a big, big way. Not just the chapel and all the repairs and putting on the heating, but all the community work that they do as well, JP. You know, they've got uh, refugees, they've got uh, women living in fear through domestic violence, etc., that they are supporting on a day-to-day basis um, and everything else that they do in the community. So, uh, obviously, it's the birthplace of Celtic and it's close to our hearts. I do have a short clip here so I want to make sure that um, it can be seen in its biggest form so let let me play the trailer to you and it is just a 15-20 second snippet so here we go We didn't give much away. That's all I'm going to say. And obviously the quality of that video is nothing like the the real video that we're going to be showing you. There's the front cover. Um, The Wakes and Carly Connor, The Glory and The Dream. You will notice that it's a stained glass version of the mosaic, which um, is at the entrance of St Mary's. If you ever go down and visit it, if you haven't been doing there, I would would urge you to go and visit the birthplace of Celtic. So that is coming out. Well, the premiere is going to be Friday night, JP. The song will be released on Monday, but you can pre-save it. You can pre-save it on the link underneath this video. Uh, and just one last word from yourself on the video, on the song, because you've spoken about it already, JP. What do you reckon? I was going to say, I, I actually wish it was longer. Like, uh, there's, there's, it finishes and it's, mm. it's over too quick because it's, it's so good and there's so much in it. 
there's so much packed into whatever it is. Three and a half is it? Is it three and a half minutes? Or? I think it's about just three twenty something like that. It's a quite yeah. a short song. Aye. Yeah, because I, I just think that there's there's room for an extended version. I think. I don't know. Maybe, I, I agree maybe, with that. I agree with that. Yeah, if, if somebody could, because obviously that's the original verse, verses, verse, chorus, verse, or whatever. But in the same way that some Celtic related songs have additional verses as you go down the years, you know, like mm-hmm. things like uh, the Willie Mealy song, then yep. in nineteen ninety eight, you know, that when they add in kind of like the the, the more recent history. Well, it's not recent anymore. <laughs> it's like twenty four years ago. But um, you know what I mean. But I was that that was the CD I was looking for last last time I was on. That's that's Brilliant. the one that's got that's got the Celtic rap on it. Um oh, and it's also got uh Hamden in the Sun, uh Celtic Are Here, which is that nineteen seventy song with the, uh-huh. the Celtic first team, uh Johnny Thompson. Um there's some really weird there's a, a Celtic foreign Celtic's Foreign Legion by James Brun and his techno trio. If that's on I probably will be on you it's so bad. It's one of the worst. So I, I honestly, Celtic's Foreign Legion, really bad. Was there not a, a techno version or a house version of uh, the Fields Athen Rye? Yeah. I remember that came out in the 90s yeah. as well. Yeah. There were some great things happening in the 90s and some not so great things. But that is the glory and the dream. That ties in with the charity weekend. It's for St Mary's. We've raised, we as a collective, everybody that tunes in and donates, we've raised over 85 grand. Uh, over the last three years, and we hope to raise more. This weekend, we'll be live streaming since 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning to 8 o'clock at night, doing the same on the Sunday as well. I'm going to need gallons of liquid in here to keep me going because I will be doing quite a bit of the chat. Um, So tune in, drop in and out, do what you want, and obviously the videos will be on uh, YouTube as well. And if you're able to donate anything, please do so. Let's talk about the Aberdeen game. Jungle Lions, and to say, apart from Juranovic, is it a full squad available for Saturday? I believe it is. For the first time in a long time, probably, mm. with McGregor. I mean, you'd think if McGregor started against Wren, um, it was quite weird that that was all behind closed doors and I know. we got the goals and that was... I mean, I guess when you look at the nature of the game, it wasn't probably really something that was worthy of being televised. It was basically a bounce game in a in a training pitch. But well, I, mean, I, I wasn't fussed about not being able to see it. I was just glad that we got a game together before this weekend. Because if you think about it, not having a game last weekend would have been a bit odd to have nothing at all before you mm-hmm. come back to playing quite a high intensity uh, in, in a high intense environment in Pataudry. It's quite a hard away game to come back to as your first game after not playing for, what, a month? More than a yeah. month? Well, th- this is the thing about this game. Uh, I know the result is more important than anything. We want to start the, uh, it's almost the second half of the season, not quite uh, the way that we finished the, the the last half. But it is a tricky fixture, JP. This is a big thing for me, looking at Aberdeen. Um, Jimmy Goodwin has come in. He's kind of stabilised it because obviously it didn't work with Stephen Glass and Bruni and that being there. Um, but they they have been patchy. Aberdeen, I think they've been patchy, particularly their away form. Uh, however, up at Petorji, they're obviously hoping for the home advantage with the crowd, as we've already discussed. Um, Celtic, like Aberdeen, haven't uh, really kicked a ball in anger for a bit. The friendlies... I don't know what you read into the three friendlies we've played in the interim, you know, the two over in Australia and oh, one in Portugal. 
you know, it's uh, it's a difficult one to to um, analyse. It really is. But going into the, the the second half of the season, what would you predict would be the lineup? Obviously, Callum McGregor's back. He goes right back into his normal position. Mm. Um, who else? Who else starts for you, JP? Uh, I would just be Hart and Go, Ralston, Carter, Vickers, Starfelt. You would imagine he would go with them to kick off this this uh, group of games, and it'll be there. Shirts to lose, I would have, I would have expected. Because um, why wouldn't you go back to your tried and tested best defensive duo from last season? It would be a bit weird if he didn't uh, mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. Them. I certainly don't think um, uh, Kobe Yashi will come in and start straight away. I mean, well, he can't. He's not registered until January. So, yeah, they'll play at the back and probably go strongest player on the left, Taylor. Midfield, you would think, would be McGregor, O'Reilly, Hatati, and then top three, Kyogo, Jota. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A badder, maybe? Or maybe my I don't know, but I think it would be, I think that's the likely lineup. Yeah, it is. And there's a few uh, players in there that people might argue the toss. You know, Haksabanovic might get a start. The central defensive partnership, I agree with you as it happens. Um, obviously, Kobayashi could be introduced on the 2nd of January. Uh, officially, I don't think he will unless there's a real issue with injuries. Um, so we've got four players to choose from, Katarvikar, Starfelt, Jens and Welsh at the moment. And um, I agree that is the strongest central defensive partnership that we've got. Um Starfelt, I think even since he's come back, he's he's looked as though his form's been okay considering how long he was out. Jens has come out and made all these really strong comments about his love for Celtic and the way that he's just kind of soaking it all up, uh, JP. But we're in a position now where there, there's going to be some movement in January. We've already brought in a centre-half. And I want to know what your thoughts are on Welsh and Jens. I mean, which I don't think we're going to keep five centre-halves I think that's no. the debate. That's the debate. One of them is on on loan. So you know, do we buy him permanently at the end of the season? I don't think you make that decision in January. Um, and Welsh, Welsh isn't playing enough games. So of the five, do you think that we're going to run before? Do you think there will be a departure in January? And if it's Welsh, should it be a permanent one? I mean, it, 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 certainly there was interest in him, wasn't there? From was it Italian teams were yeah. interested. Udinese and Toulouse, so French and Italian interest. Yep. That, that, this whole thing about why why all of a sudden within the last two or three years has Italian football decided that Scottish football is worth uh-huh. tapping up? Because it's no longer just a once-off. They're like 
constant. And like you're seeing, like Josh Doig being linked with Inter Milan, Lewis Ferguson's being linked with Juventus. Like, what the hell's going on? That it's almost like fantasy football. It's like you know, championship manager style. Um, if Lewis Ferguson signs for Juventus, that will be one of the most insane trajectories I've ever heard of watching football in my life. To think that you could go from being at Pataudry to where is he just now? Verona. But Hamanakis. I starting at Hamanakis and then I mean I know Juventus from, from Hamilton to Juve. I what the ones were, but all the uh, those of a blue persuasion were all saying that he wasn't good enough to play for them. People were saying he wasn't good enough to play for us. Well, we had the chat with Colin Watt many a times, and Colin and I had completely polar opposite views on it. I, I thought he's a type of player in Scottish football that we could take to the next level, you know, from Hamilton to Aberdeen, step up there. I think that he was at that point. He had to move JP to continue his development. And I mm-hmm. thought Celtic, and I said it on Axon a number of times, people will disagree. And I thought we could have bought him in. What, what was the fee? Three million? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a reasonable figure to be paying to. Uh, a Scottish club for a, a, a promising young player. I think Aberdeen, well, they, they, they dealt with an Italian club for three million, so why wouldn't they have done it with us? Mm-hmm. We obviously just didn't go for them. I think if there's interest still there from Italy for Welsh, why wouldn't it make sense for them to maybe go on loan for the second half of the season? If we've got cover there, obviously, wouldn't have suggested that we let him go if we weren't getting in a new centre half but I mean go over there and uh, get a, a full run of games just like Mikey Johnston's doing just you know like other players of his age have done at McGregor or when he was younger and going to Notts County and stuff so I mean I don't think it's a, a, a not necessarily a bad move but he's got a a pathway that's been forged for him by other players from Scotland mm-hmm. who are over there. I'm pretty sure he can pick up the phone and speak to the likes of uh, Josh Doig and Lewis Ferguson. Is there others? Others um, Henderson as well. He was like the trailblazer, wasn't he? Liam Henderson. Yeah. Um Hickey went over, got a big move to Brentford. Well, yeah, Arnicky as well, yeah. I forgot about him. That's another yeah. one. That, can, you, can you believe that when we're old enough sadly, to remember Gazetta Football Italia and how much fanfare there was about all the English players that went and played in Italy in the early yeah. 90s, like David mm-hmm. Platt and um, Mark Hately and obviously Gascoigne. Um, and yeah. But now, now there's more Scottish players in Italy than there are English. It's tremendous, actually. I mean, you're right. The shoot in the match magazines used to love the Trevor Francis chat and Liam Brady, Graham Sunis, Sam Doria, Ray Wilkins, um, AC Milan. Milan. There was a yeah. lot of players that went there. And then you look at, you're talking about a trajectory from Halanakis to potentially Juventus. It's like Stevie Archibald, Clyde to Barcelona. Slightly different because obviously there was there was other teams in. in I was going to say, didn't say for Barcelona Clyde. <laughs> like, no. Um, that would be the most mental trajectory ever. That would have been an interesting one. Um, Aberdeen and Spurs. Was it, did he go from Spurs to Barcelona? Spurs to Barcelona, yeah. Mm. He ended up at Hibs. I remember seeing him quite a few times at Easter Road. But I, I mean, Liam Henderson, I think, has been a trailblazer. And all the young players that are going to Italy, I think that Celtic must be looking at that as well, though. JP thinking to themselves are we able to offer them that platform where they can make that step up? Because Hickey is the first to make the big move back to Britain. 
um, mm. and obviously it was for big money. So it'll be an interesting development. I think the best the, the, the best thing we could do is get Welsh out on loan with a view, with an option to buy. So he goes out on loan for the second half of the season with an option to buy. And at that point, JP, we can weigh up Jens and Welsh. Do we bring Welsh back or do we keep Jens? And I, I, think don't think probably... seen, I don't think we'll sign Jens. I, I just, just putting that out there, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, I think we might be uh, surplus to requirements. Who calls him Mercedes? Does he call himself Mercedes? Is it like one of the Paulins where he called to sell the governor? I remember. I really hope not. Uh, that, that's surely not a thing. Please tell me that's not. Apparently a thing. it is. Oh, really? I, it is. I. So there was a big quote that you've you seen circulating on social media and you're thinking, great, he gets the club and you read it a wee bit more and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I went for a jog at six in the morning and the workies were shouting down, eh, Mercedes, give us a photo and all that. And I'm thinking, oh my, Mercedes, I've never heard him. Uh, Lawrence Conley started calling him it. So that's his nickname. Simple as that. Um, Koba, <laughs> Kobayashi, we've seen pictures of Kobayashi, the uh, new centre-half being shown around Glasgow um, by Kyogo. He's the fifth Japanese import. Uh, JP and I think that so far there's only been one who hasn't really made a name for themselves in Glasgow um, but I mean when you look at the situation we're in Kobayashi you know looking forward to seeing him play he's not going to get right into that team but once he gets in we can obviously view that and analyse that on the flip side of that we've got Maeda going to a World Cup and proving to a lot of people that he's maybe a wee bit better than, than they thought they were. And I don't just mean Celtic fans. I, I think they took a lot of the commentary, um, the commentators by surprise as well. And then you've got Eddie Gucci. And you think to yourself, maybe the time is now uh, in January for Eddie Gucci to go elsewhere. I think there's been a wee bit of interest. Uh, Nagoya Grandpa's eight. I only know of them yeah. because of the yeah, Monica link yeah. back in the day. They had a really smart strip as well. I've um, one quite expensive. Quite get an original, but they're not cheap. Who were the uh, kit manufacturers? Was it Mizuno? Uh, pass. I could have thought... I would, it, it, was it not Adidas? Oh, maybe I'm not. I need, I need, I need to look check. Up. I'd need yeah. to check. Uh, Mizuno's on my mind because obviously the other player that we had from Japan, you know, back in the day of Nakamura was Koke Mizuno. Um, so where do we stand then with Idiguchi and, and probably, I think, McCarthy as well. I think he's probably in the same category. Uh, the signs seem to point to them probably going elsewhere, which is you guys to be expected. There's a lot of competition now, and it doesn't really. There's not a lot of room for them to get game time no. in the midfield, and it's just been unfortunate for Idiguchi. I don't think anybody would sort of be in any way kind of what's the word? They wouldn't sort of be. You know, or get rid of him or anything like that. Nobody, nobody, I don't think anybody's kind of been uh, snide towards him because they understand the situation. Most people understand the situation in that he got a really bad injury and then shock horror, we've got a really good midfield playing really well. There's not, there's not been jerseys to be taken um, and to the point that Postacoglu put Matt O'Reilly in, in, in a different position and, and used other midfielders instead of Idiguchi when he was mm-hmm. fit. Mm-hmm. It, sometimes things don't work out at clubs. I don't think we don't we didn't pay a load of, a load of money for him or anything like that. So it's not as if he's one. Of, it's not as if he can be added to the list of disastrous signings um, that we have many of who we've shelled out lots of money for. So I think if you if you if, if it's a case of like the strike rate being Kyogo Maeda Hatati. <laughs> 
and Gucci's yeah. the one that's not worked out. You, you've got three who most certainly have, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see Maeda back at Celtic as well after his World Cup exploits. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I look at Adiguchi, what age is he now? He's at a stage now at the age of 26, I think, JP, where he can't be sitting warm on a bench or sometimes not even that. Um, he's had two moves to British football that haven't worked out. Leeds United previously and now Celtic. He's only made six appearances. I think there's a there's an element of bad luck in there, obviously, where I'm getting the injury when he did, where you thought to yourself, this is maybe where he's going to be introduced into the side, get mm. some game time and gets that bad injury. So very, very unfortunate, but it wouldn't surprise me if he moves on. Sometimes it's just best for the club, best for the player, and mm. it frees up that wage for someone else who might be able to contribute a wee bit more. And in the second half, there's a couple of players that I will want to talk about who may well be able to do it. But before that, there's, there's always something interesting on your shelf, uh, JP, and I make absolutely no apologies for pointing out that next to the Celtic crest is another award. And I want you to tell us about it. I want you, I want you to tell, because I know you're a very humble guy, and I only found out about this this morning, but uh, you were down in London to receive an award this week. Aye, well, it's only going to be there for the next half an hour or so, because I'll be putting it in my bag and taking it into King Thuts, where it will uh, reside for the foreseeable. Um, but yeah, we... King Tut's got off, uh, nominated for Grassroots Champion at the inaugural Live Music Awards or Live Awards. And I got asked on Saturday if I'd go down and uh, attend on, on, our, on DF's behalf. So I was down there on uh, Wednesday night. I managed to tie in going to see The Cure and The Twilight Sad at, at Wembley. Was no Gallagher there? Did I see no Gallagher? No, no Gallagher was there. Tim Burgess was there the second night. Bobby Gillespie was there, oh, standing Bobby. next to him. I, I wanted. To, I was about to go up and wee guy him and say I was at Motherwell away when the the. Oh yeah. So that was my that was my in that was my in and I thought right he'll he'll not think I'm a you know an idiot if I if I come up and say that and Stuart from Mogwai was there as well and he's pals with him but then I got accosted by uh, an American. Uh, celebrant who was a massive Cure fan and we just started chatting about the Cure and I got I got waylaid and I didn't get to go and meet Bobby Gillespie so it was your also time, your time will come your time will come uh, uh, yeah I know I know but um, but the other yeah, awards were amazing and it was obviously incredible when we got the, the win so it was grassroots champion for the venue and um, I went up and gave a speech and <laughs> I've never done, I've never yeah. done that before I thought, like, you know, because it's a whirlwind and all this kind of stuff, and, and genuinely, and I know that you'd have been the same, genuinely you're not sitting there thinking, I'm going to win this, and then when they call your name it. I think that anybody who can compose herself in such a short space of time and go up and actually say something that's uh, memorable, uh, legible, the whole thing, fair play to you, JP, because I've watched this speech and I thought it was excellent, I've got to say. Well, I, I, just, I, I just knew that I probably wouldn't have many moments like that in my life, so when you do get a moment like that, you've got to, well, I was thinking more to the point that I was like, bet someone's filming this. <laughs> in the back of my head, I was like, well, I knew quite a few people in the room um, and lo and behold, there was someone filming it. So I was like, well, this is going to be seen by Jeff Ellis, my boss, and all, uh, all sorts of other people. So I was like, right, I better not let the side down here. So uh, it, was, uh, it was it was really cool. And I flew back last night with the award and a, in a trainer shoebox <laughs> um, and on my flight interestingly enough I didn't tell you this before we came on here guess who was sitting three rows in front Come of me on. who was it Dominic Mackay honestly huh? 
Yeah. Aye. It was, it was, I, I, he actually looked up and looked at me as if, like, I mean, I know you said he, he used, did. To, watch, used to watch Axel. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, uh, and he had headphones in, so I didn't say anything, but. Um, he was maybe yeah. listening to last Thursday's show. Look at him. There he is. Yeah, no, he was in, uh, he was in business class on, uh, on a BA flight back from, from London, so. Nice. Uh, well, if I'd had the opportunity, just, you know what it's like when you're getting off a plane and everybody's, you know, we were an hour late leaving and all that, so everyone was like clambering to get their cases, and my case was about three lockers back, so I had to wait, and then by the time you know I got to go get my case, he was all he was off and he was away. I would have I would have said all right to him, just said yeah. look, I, I wouldn't have dared ask any stupid questions. I would have just said look, thanks very much for uh, bringing Ange Postecoglou. Uh, I don't know if he did, but I would have given him that credit. And uh, and and what he did at the start as well with inviting fan media, whatever you want to call uh-huh. us, other people, that was a massive part in developing the relationship between Celtic fans and Ange Postecoglou. Because mm-hmm. first question aside, which was a bit wild, the guy that was like, "Oh, the whole conspiracy thing and everything else," he did make some good points as well. I have to say, but the but the rest of it was where we got to get to know Ange Postacoglu at a very early point. Mm-hmm. And it was it allowed a buy-in for the fans, I think. It certainly did for me, anyway, into the guy's character and how he dealt with the fans themselves. And if Dominic Mackay had any part to play in that, then he deserves credit. You're right. For for 70-odd days that he was at the club, if there is a legacy, the legacy is that um, there was a completely different view on what fan media did and how we could work together with the club. And it gave a lot of people an opportunity, like you say, to see how Anne spoke to fans because we got that interview really early on. And then the press conferences that we've had since then, where a lot of the Axom contributors have been in a room with Anne Sporsikoglu asking them questions and the way that he's warmed to quite a few of them. Um, as well so I, I totally get that you've got to give people credit where there's credit due JP I don't think anyone knows what happened behind the scenes but if there's any legacy it is the fact that we still get invited in uh, to do the pressers and stuff Susan mm. Finlay afternoon boys looking forward to the charity weekend and me as well got a wee bit to organise Susan but you know um, I'm pretty sure there's another two days to prepare so I'll probably be up to midnight both of them just getting everything ready uh, why are the likes never accurate well if you're talking about the video likes make sure that you do like the video it helps with the algorithm and all that kind of stuff um, so yeah that would be much appreciated the other thing on your shelf JP that I want to bring up is uh, last night mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with Cox Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. I had a wee bit to do and what I normally do is put some tunes on or put an interview on. And the interview that I put on was Martin O'Neill. It was uh, Simon Ferry, Cy Ferry. And, And I was interested in that because obviously he was at the club as a youngster when Martin O'Neill was the gaffer when he was the main man. So I fired that on in the background and I was listening to it and there was a few interesting points. Now you were there, you were at uh, the launch up at Celtic Park for the foundation 
yeah. you've got a chance to get your book signed by O'Neill. A couple of things that are, that really interested me, because I know how much that team meant to you uh, and myself. Um, massive. I mean, he loved the Lisbon Lions. So he tells a few stories about the relationship that he got. He speaks so fondly of John Clark, for example. Um, he speaks about when he's at Nottingham Forest and Tommy Gemmell signs for Nottingham Forest in 1971. And O'Neill says, oh, a great goal in the European Cup final, which won, son. That mm-hmm. story as well. So he talks so fondly about the Lions and the fact that he took them all out for dinner and it almost re-engaged their relationship with the club, which is massive because we now know the Lions and the club are intrinsically linked. But for a long yeah. time, the club had kind of ignored that, hadn't they? Well, I think there was probably a period of time where... There was definitely a period of time where we weren't enjoying any success as a club in the, in the in the present tense. And it almost felt a bit sad that our only celebration was celebrating the past. And it was quite the distant past. You know, so the idea of bringing Lisbon Lions out with the European Cup when we weren't doing anything as a current team was was a bit sad. And and, and it didn't really reflect. It was like, oh, we're, a, well, we're this massive club, but we don't do anything currently. So I think when Martin and Neil brought success, it was like, well, we've got a successful side now in the present tense, let's celebrate our past as well. And it, it didn't feel as kind of, you know, longing for the past. And lo- mm. it, was, it was a success from the past and a, and, a, and a present success. And I think when people when people can celebrate their current Celtic side, they'll be more appreciative. People who weren't born when the Lisbon Lions were playing, people could be more appreciative of that rather than just being like, why are we talking about 1967, we've not done anything. Martin Neal's was the European final. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, we hadn't been to the European final since 1970. Am I right on that? Aye, yep. Yeah. So, we, hadn't, we hadn't won a treble since 69. Yeah, you know, exactly. Comes so in and breaks all, those as well. things, all those things meant that it made more sense to celebrate the Lisbon Lions in such a way. And it gave them a better... If I think of the times that the Lisbon Lions have come out with the trophy at Celtic Park when I've been a season ticket holder, it's been with a full stadium and people in a good mood rather than like a half-empty Celtic Park and, and like a cup game against a lower opposite. You know, it's, you, you got to like give a platform at the time to, to celebrate and, and Martin O'Neill did that. He yeah, did it absolutely. so well and re-engaged with the fans so well and that speech on the steps outside Celtic Park I remember so vividly seeing that on TV and just believing exactly what he said I I, I knew that there was something different about him than previous managers and you knew you knew that him coming from an English English Premier League team that, the, that he had the he had this, this sort of ingredients to do really really well and I didn't realise until I was at the the talk um, with uh, Mark Greedy was the guy that was the interviewer and they asked him about the interview process and how it came about and, and mm-hmm. he says he got a call from Sir Alex Ferguson who said, I, I, would you be interested in the Celtic job? I've been with Dermot Desmond this afternoon. And, and, and I, I just love the fact that Sir Alex Ferguson had a part to play in completely shifting the tectonic plates of football in Glasgow because Martin, no Martin O'Neill, who knows what happens in the last 20 years. I genuinely believe that. 
And then when Martin O'Neill went to get the interview, he found out that Alex Ferguson had recommended two other people as well, but they were both dead. Is that right? <laughs> ah, that's what he said. Guys. He said, like, he said, oh, I, I think I was in with a good chance of getting the job, considering the two other folk that he'd recommended were, were, were no longer alive. He didn't say who they were, but he like, just added that in as a kind of as a wee add-on, and I thought that was brilliant. And then we waited in a queue for two hours to meet him, as you would do. I mean, we, there was a point where we were like, is this daft? And then I was like that to my mate Chris. I was like, absolutely no way. And the Martin and Neil Celtic side was Chris's first Celtic team. That So to to, to Chris, the Martin and Neil Celtic side was my uh, Billy McNeil 1988 Celtic mm-hmm. team. So the first Celtic team that he remembers and bought into and and loved and everything else. So it was a huge deal for him to meet him as well. And um, I was, it was a, a really, really special you know, hour, hour, hour or so, and he said he would have kept talking. I can't believe he had, I mean, the guy's 70, yeah. and he had the patience to deal with, I don't know, maybe three, 400 Celtic fans in that queue, and obviously was chatting to them all, and very, very uh, courteous, just, I think he just really appreciated the moment. Obviously, we're all buying his book. Let's not get away from the fact that there was a reason for him doing it. At the same time, though, a lot of money was raised with the ticket sales for the Celtic Foundation, and that room was packed. It was, I think it was six hundred and twelve. Filled to the gunnels. So yeah. Um, but on the note, on what you were saying about listening to the to the sign of Ferry thing, I listened this morning to um, Martin O'Neill and Ken Bruce doing the tracks of my years. You heard oh, that? Really? No, I haven't. No. He's a massive music fan, so gives me carte blanche to be able to talk about music. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and anybody that's uh, annoyed about that, like, well, this is Martin O'Neill's Celtic, uh, uh, Martin O'Neill's music uh, preferences, but favourite band, The Small Faces, right? right? Loves, in all the tracks he plays, he plays The Small Faces, The Kinks, uh, The Beach Boys, and then late, and then latterly, Oasis, got into Oasis, like, loves Oasis, and The Verve. Oh. Plays the drug. The last tune he plays is the drugs don't work. O'Neill. He went to see Richard Ashcroft at the London Palladium recently, and he was just and he was just fantastic. He's a a, a great great performer, great singer, <laughs> and I'm just like I, I I think I kind of knew this about Martin O'Neill that he was a music fan, but I didn't. I wasn't aware of how much because he speaks with real passion about. He said, "Well, if I, if I could have been in a band, I would have been in the Who." I would have, you know, if I, if I could get my time again, I would have learned an instrument and I would have been in a band. And I, I love him even great. more now. I love him even more now, JP. <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoyed that interview. I'd recommend it to anybody. He spoke about trying to keep, or not trying to keep him. He would have liked to have kept Viduka, but then the flip of that is, had you kept Viduka, you'd have had no Sutton. And, you know, the importance of Sutton to his side. He's still angry at Seville. He's still angry at Porto. And he feels a bit guilty when people come to him and say, you know, we had the time of our lives over in Seville because he looks back on it in a different way because he feels as though we should have won it. Um, he's, so- part about, he's part about Viduka. He phoned him and Viduka was like, he was like, nah, nah, you're like, F Alan McDonald and F this person and F that person. And he was just like, he was like, um, He's like, I'm not coming back. And then, and then Martin O'Neill was like, so just to confirm, you're not going to be at training at Barrafield tomorrow then? <laughs> no. <laughs> Barrafield. It's incredible because 
Viduka was extremely talented, but you know, you hear the story at Inverness, you hear that kind of story, and you think to yourself, there's a disrespect there, yeah, for the individuals that he mentioned, but also for the football club. You know what I mean, JP? And taking your boots off at, at half time and more or less refusing to play the second half against Inverness and all that kind of stuff. My respect went out the window for him. I just kind of thought, right, another mercenary, put him in the bracket with Van Hoydonk and Decanio, etc. Mm. Um, and he went on and he spoke about, uh, Mark Viduka, this is now, spoke about the fact that there was a 38 million pound bid when he was at Leeds United 38 million pound bid by Man United to sign him from Leeds and he never went he ended up I think it was uh, Middlesbrough Middlesbrough and then Newcastle and he now runs a coffee shop in Croatia with his wife Ivana um, so if you're tuning in Mark you know you could have had it all son you could have had it all <laughs> um, and now, I didn't know that about Man United I had no idea Um, There's a few comments coming in here about Brown Brogues and all that kind of stuff and although we don't talk about um, Rangers, our challengers um, I'm going to point out that what you were talking about there with regards to O'Neill, Stevie Mullen um, who was regularly on the Axon Bulletin two and a half years ago, three years ago, uh, really enjoyed chatting. It may have been kind of Thursday Friday time, really enjoyed talking to Stevie Stevie was of the exact same view uh, JP, you know, the, the man O'Neill uh, and the changes that he made w- was incredible because even after the takeover, obviously we stopped the 10 in, in 98, but then you had Joe Venglos coming in, you had the John Barnes situation after that, a lot of money getting spent, uh, but no real domination. And if you look through the decades um, of Rangers pre-2012, post-2012 and dominance, Rangers dominated the 1950s. Celtic had a few successes, the 7-1 game, the double in 54, Coronation Cup. And then Rangers dominated the 90s. But we all know that there was a kind of subtext to, to that period as well. Mm-hmm. Celtic were virtually going out of business whilst Rangers were basically spending the bank's money um, because mm-hmm. it was debt that they were spending the money. And every other decade in the the you know 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 2000s, the 10s and the 20s have been dominated by Celtic. you just got to look at the, the facts. And when you look at the narrative that we're getting in the mainstream at the moment, and people might say you shouldn't be surprised at this, but it's sometimes laughable, JP, the narrative that you get, uh, because the gap at the moment, yeah, it's nine points in the current title race, but the gap between the two clubs is is massive. Well, it's they, absolutely they, huge. They, they need Michael Beale or Mick Beale to do... With them, what Martin O'Neill did with us in 2000. That's what, that's what needs to happen. And they're putting their hopes on a guy who's managed 22 games in the Championship in England to do that. He might well do it. And if he does, well, well done to him. And, you know, whatever. But it's not... A, that's, that's the kind of thing that needs to happen for them. Genuinely, they need to have that kind of. He needs to that's have a that seismic. Impact. You're right. That's a seismic yeah. impact. The change. Yeah, it really, it really is. And, and because we are getting stronger, we are not. We are not getting weaker. We are getting stronger because you can see the way that the team's going and the way that the the, the recruitment's going. We're not making mistakes in recruitment. They're constantly going. How are they getting Hatati? How are they getting Matt O'Reilly? How are they getting Juranovic? How how are they doing that? Because they can't understand why there's not a similar level of recruitment. It's not. I'm not making it up. That's what they say. Um, so, anyway, no. But it's interesting that you bring that up because the 22 games. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I spoke to a QPR fan a fortnight ago, and mm. he was less than impressed by uh, Michael Beale. He, he says, you know, you should have no fear 
the fact he's coming up there. So there you go. And the other thing, again, um, I don't know what you think about calling Celtic the other team. I don't know if there's been a big play on that. Um, I think that when you're a manager of a football club, you can go two ways with that one, JP. You can be very respectful. And I think Martin O'Neill was always respectful. Remember, to Rangers, always respectful. Spoke the about them being the benchmark. And, and you know, and by the way, he was being respectful. He, he wasn't just, you know, playing the game. Um, or you could go the other way and just call it the other law or the other team because you know that it's going to play into the hands of the fan base and you're going to get a wee bit of the kudos from them. But to be honest with you, um, it doesn't bother me either way. I know there's been a big uh, play on it. It's made headlines. If a Rangers fan was to call you the other lot, the other team, the other pod um, I don't expect any more from from that kind of you know that that kind of level of individual. So doesn't bother me yeah, in the slightest. It doesn't bother me in the slightest either. I mean, that if that's what is getting their uh, their sort of their excitement levels up, I'd rather concentrate on being excited about a football team than excited about what someone says in a presser or you know whether they're going to wear a, a suit to the game or. Pair of brogues to the gate. I mean, that's an absolute nonsense. An absolute nonsense. I mean, I genuinely thought it was a parody when I saw that article, and then I was like, of course it's not a parody. Of course we're living in the same times that we've always lived in, where importance is placed on things like that when they really mean so little. And I, um, I just, uh, as long as all that noise is happening, we'll just concentrate hopefully on, on winning football matches and and getting our recruitment right and getting stronger, as the strapline says. Absolutely. Um, now, we've gone on a wee bit today about the charity weekender. There's a lot uh, to organise, but we're going to be uh, streaming and there's going to be some pre-recorded content for 24 hours over Saturday and Sunday. All money's raised, both through the, the donations link and through the downloads. We'll be going to St Mary's, the birthplace of Celtic. Um, tune in tomorrow night at 7 o'clock on the channel Subscribe to the channel because we're going to premiere the video with Paul and the Wakes uh, featuring Carly Connor. You won't be disappointed. Let's spread the word. Let's see if we can make a wee dent in this um, over the next week or so. JP, who knows what happens once it's out there. You know, it just might ripple and that ripple effect can go far and wide when it comes to the Celtic fan base. We had some of the Christmas number ones in the last few years. That I, I would know. be... I know. I, I, <laughs> I'm not saying we could get to number one, but it's, it's amazing what the power of downloading and streaming can do because if you get you get a tribe if you get a wee tribe and I think there is a, a an Axom tribe there with the subscribers and the followers there's also a lot of idiots in the world Paul who have clearly got those terrible songs to number one so Aye. yeah yeah, get behind it, get behind it, and let's make some money for charity. Uh, JP, I meant what I said, Thursday afternoon, always an enjoyable hour. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the chat. Subscribe to the channel, and thank you once again, JP Mason, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.